You're listening to the Piper Carter podcast on the Detroit is Different podcast network. I'm bringing to the stage my man from Yonkers, New York, DMX. That's what's up. I appreciate it. What I'm going to speak on is the thing that's on my mind the most. You know what I'm saying? The thing that we all got to deal with every day but don't really know. The industry. The industry. Man, it's not the same. Doesn't have to do with talent. It's about playing the game. The industry. Real niggas is dying to get in. The industry. Just to find they don't fit in. The industry ain't what it used to be. The industry's trying to control the way you MC. They want you to dress like this and talk like that. But I'm going dress like this and talk with the bat. The industry got your word meaning nothing. The industry, fuck what you heard because he's bluffing. The industry, money, bitches, hate. But I dare you to try to take a fucking thing off my plate. The industry like, wait. But in the streets, we like, get them. <laughs> 17 up in that thing. Catch them sleeping and hit them. The industry, if you ain't got a strong mind, the industry will break you down. It's a matter of time. The industry, vultures with nothing to feast on. See me? I'm getting my beast on. <laughs> the industry, stay in the dirt, play in the dirt. Test the wrong one in the industry and you will get hurt. I'm not an industry artist. I'm an artist in the industry, so I do what the fuck I want because nobody can finish me. The industry wanted, dead or alive, new artists to sell their souls in the way they survive. The industry don't give a fuck about you, but the industry couldn't make a dime without you. The industry, I'm sick of this industry shit. The industry playing them like an industry bitch. They tried to finish me quick, but I am long, so I stand strong. Fuck a beat. Listen to the words in the damn song. Yeah. I, only, I, I only know how to speak the truth, you know what I'm saying? So I got a, I got a little short joint I'm going to hit you with, you know what I'm saying? And, and it basically reflects on my relationship with the industry. This is what it is. Often, my words fall on deaf ears. Motherfuckers be listening, but don't hear. Talking to a nigga, he be sitting right here. I be like, where you going? Nigga be like, yeah. Thank you. Welcome back to the Piper Carter podcast. You are listening to Piper Carter. And I'm very excited to be back again with my super duper co-hosts. What's up, uh, Brittany and Deja and Jaira? What's up? How are you, Pipe? Hey, how's it going? Yeah, good, good, good. Good. Um, <clears throat> it was a beautiful day today. Sun was shining today. Um, lots of uh, ener- beautiful energy going on today. How about you guys? It was a great day for me. It was a really good day. Um, slept in, um, went to my mom's for dinner. Um, I had a good week and a good day. How about you guys? Sorry. Right, sorry. sorry, my day's been pretty good. Just busy. Are you still doing, are you still uh, in school, Jaira? Yeah, I'm still in school, but I'm about to start, um, 
I'm about to start like full blown starting this fall. Um, I'm starting my bachelor's degree in software engineering. And um, it's going to be very time consuming because that's going to be basically what I'm doing most of the time. So I'm just ready for that to get started. That's exciting. When does this start? Uh, probably by August or if not August, sometime um, further into the fall, towards the fall. Okay, cool. Very cool. Pipe, what have you been up to? Um, just been, uh, I've been doing so much. I can't even think of like all the stuff that I've been doing. But uh, long story short, just um, was doing some canvassing if we're just talking about today. But other than that, mostly, you know, working on my businesses and then been doing a lot of stuff with Detroit Black Community Food Security Network and the Food Co-op. And so, yeah, it's been um, very, very, very uh, kind of hectic. But yeah, just juggling a lot of things right now. How about how about you, Deja? Um. My week was pretty good. Actually, today I was in this Zoom meeting hosted by this singer named Kia. I've used her songs a couple times for our episodes, um, but she was breaking down how she created one of her songs called um, Keep On Walking, or If You See Me, I Believe. And I just love that song. And it was actually sampled from a Prince song, the original version that came out by someone, I believe, in Indiana in like 1979 and then Prince um, covered it on his own and it later got released or leaked rather. Um, plus a poem that was really interesting. And I wanted to play the poem at the end of the episode just to show everyone, just to give some depth to the song because I wasn't expecting the poem to be as brilliant as it was just from the clip that she that she played in the song. So I'll show that to you guys a little later on. That's dope. I've been listening to this um, YouTuber. Her name is Nay Rob, and she's really good. She's a really good storyteller. And she does book, like, they're not really book reviews. Like, she kind of, like, goes through the book and, like, reads the book and then, like, gives her own commentary. And um, she's super funny, but she does all these different, like, historical musicians. And so I've... She's done Aretha Franklin. She's done. Uh, I'm re- I'm going through uh, Morris Day in the Time with her now, and he's talking about Prince, which made yeah. me which made me think about that. And um, yeah. she did Rick James. She did Mary Wells of the Supremes. Um, she's done. Uh, you know, Robin Crawford. Uh, that was Whitney Houston's best friend. Um, her book, um, the Bobby Brown book. Um, with you know and it goes he goes through like you know bobby brown his new edition days his whitney days so i don't know she does like all these different books but she's really like a really funny storyteller she does them like about 15 to 20 minutes per like clip and so you have to like literally be there listening for like hours in order to get like the entire uh you know book and so those are pretty cool because you go through the history and then you get to, you know, understand, um, you know, from a from a from a more like relatable, you know what I mean? Like it's super relatable because she's cracking jokes and doing funny voices and putting her own personal spin. Like it's it's pretty funny. It's, she's called Nay, N-A-Y 
And then ROB Narob, she's on um, YouTube. So that's been pretty fun. I've been watching those for the last, I don't know, like month or something. That sounds pretty cool. You gotta put you gotta put us on when we uh maybe like put a link in the chat or maybe we can share on the on the Instagram page too. Yeah, I'm gonna um I'm gonna I'm gonna share that with y'all because she makes me laugh, <laughs> you know, giving her commentary on that stuff. Um yeah. But um yeah, I don't know. If Brittany is ready, maybe we can go into your uh you know, your 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 presentation. Um, are you ready, Brittany? Yeah, I mean, it, I wouldn't call it necessarily a presentation um, just because I don't want to speak too much on uh, a DMX. I was a fan of DMX. Uh, I listened to, I would say him from a like a commercial standpoint. I never really dug into his albums, but I figured we could have a, a mutual dialogue about him. Piper, you probably are the closest to him as far as music is concerned. But I mean, we all know he was just a legend and um, you know, this weekend, I think yesterday, I know Saturday was his services and um, it's a sad loss for hip hop. Uh, we had a couple losses in hip hop this month. So I just first want to say um, rest in power to DMX and wanted to know if you guys had anything that you wanted to say um, just as far as um, your level of fandom for him or his music or anything like that, Deja Pipe? Well, my first um, real love for DMX started watching uh, Chris Rock movies. <laughs> Chris Rock used to use them a lot. Um, he, had a, he had a song of his in Head of State, and he had a song of his in... Um, down to Earth as well. And both of those scenes, like, I'm trying to remember the, the the scene where he was in or where the song was playing in Head of State. But I know in Down to Earth, if you guys have ever seen it, you should probably go check it out. That's a good movie. A good yeah. Movie. But in the scene in Down to Earth, he was um, in this white man's body and uh, somebody rolled up in a yellow Hummer outside of this restaurant that he was in with Regina King's character. <laughs> and it was a uh, stop, drop, shut him down, down, open up, up shop. <laughs> Whoa, no. So as soon as like the verse like started, you know, uh, Chris, Chris, uh, Chris's character started rapping along to it, and it was this white dude, this old old white man, who was rapping. Niggas want to die. What? Die, what? And he's in this restaurant. I want to say they were in like Harlem or something. So you know, it's just like you know, some real street niggas like looking at him like, what the fuck is going on? But it was just a classic scene. And that was like where my appreciation for DMX began and just seeing all of that and hearing it, it was a feeling. It was, it's a black thing. Like that's just us. And he was just a major part of my childhood from that moment on. And then my affinity for Aaliyah and mm -hmm. his work with her. So yeah, he was just ingrained in me and it was, rough seeing him go through his addictions over the years but i hope he is at rest now yeah. and i just feel for his loved ones me too and in regards to his music i mean he before like i think he's like the first to really do vulnerable music like before like they call it emo music like drake and joe budden like that like depressing like 
um not depressing music but just like a different type of frequency like i'd say x was like the yeah raw emotion like the first to kind of do it yeah he came after pop like yeah true 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 after pop yeah Yeah. for sure that's a good point piper do you have anything to say about x i probably could say a whole lot but one thing that i definitely want to say is rest in power and it was really beautiful to see the outpouring of the city of New York. Oh, wow. Um, I really do wish, I mean, it's in the past, but I really do wish that he could have um, beat whatever, you know, those, his, I guess you can use the word demons, but challenges, you know, that, um, that caused him to, you know, have to be in such pain for so long. Um, you could hear a lot of the angst in his in his music, you know, um, in his interviews. Mm. Um, a lot of the interviews that I um, that I saw, you know, they like just talking to different people. He was always in a lot of you know, a state of angst, you know, like there was always so much angst about it. Um, and, um, you know, I never really saw him be like funny. And even when he was like, quote unquote, like being funny, it was still like, he wasn't actually trying to like be funny. He was being, uh, sarcastic, you know what I mean? So you could still tell that there was a lot of pain and that he was talking about a lot of pain. I do really love that poem that uh, when when Deja showed us from the Deaf uh, Poetry Jam. About um, the think, industry. Yeah, I feel like in that poem, he really gave um, maybe the source of a lot of his pain. And I know that in a lot of his interviews, what I noticed is he did, or maybe it's just what people are posting and I'll just say in the in the posts that people are sharing of his different interviews, I noticed that what he shares is a lot about like just feeling betrayed. Um, it's a lot of like feeling feeling betrayed, you know, um, feeling hurt, um, feeling un unvalued and unappreciated. And so, um, you know, maybe that's just what people are posting. Maybe he just has a lot of interviews where that's what he, you know, was saying. But I I do notice that. Also, too, um, I know I told y'all a funny story. I'm not going to share that, like, publicly. But um, (laughs) I'll share that um, a different story. So DMX came to Detroit, Michigan. Uh, Oh, I'm trying to remember the year that he came. And you guys know that... I used to work part time at Detroit has an outdoor venue for those who are listening. It's a concert venue. It's on the water. It's now called the Aretha. But at the time, this was called Shane Park. Beautiful 6000 square foot tented arena. Um, I'm not not 6000 square foot. It seats 6000 people. And it's, it's a beautiful arena. It's tented. It's uh, the acoustics are amazing. Right on the water is right downtown Detroit, um, a premier venue. A lot of the big 
concerts happen down there in the summer. And so I uh, was assistant stage manager. So did a lot of different things, working uh, with a lot of celebrities backstage and, um, you know, supporting the artists, supporting the managers, this type of thing. And so um, when DMX came, he came a few, he came a couple of times. And this one time in particular that he came, his manager was like, um, we, you know, cause you know, different artists need different things in their writers. You know, there's a joke about the blue M&Ms. Usually a lot of artists want a whole bunch of liquor, but they might want their furniture put it a certain way. They do have a technical writer that's like lights and sound things, you know, mirrors, piano, instruments, things like that. But um, his manager was like, he needs a, a place to pray and he needs um, a place where he can bring his entourage and some of his fans to pray with him, you know, before the show. So I was like, okay. And um, when, so normally because of the way Shane Park is set up, there's like the whole backstage area and um, like behind the dressing rooms, you know, I want to say like probably a couple hundred people could fit back there, you know. Uh, we usually try not to have that many people, but usually we can have the tour buses back there, security, you know, people, this kind of thing. And, um, you know, first of all, uh, all these. So this one young lady, he, when the tour buses pull up for sound check, now sound check for folks who don't know uh, is usually. So let's say like if a concert starts at eight or nine, um, sound check is usually like you know, 12, one, two o'clock, something like that. Right. And then they get a chance to do their sound check, you know, other technical things, then they can leave, go get dinner. You know, sound checks usually like an hour. Then, they, then the artist leaves, they go get dinner, whatever they come back for the show. So we're doing, so we're setting up, you know, for sound check, ready to go. And first of all, the buses come early. The buses, well, I'm saying buses, I'm saying they're tour buses. So their tour buses probably come like, I don't know, like 10, 9, 10 in the morning, right? We're the crew. We usually get there like 6, 7 in the morning. Um, tour buses usually get there like 9, 10 in the morning, right? And usually it's their managers and their background people and things like that. And the artist comes way later, like just before sound check. So first of all, uh, a young lady, like a, a, a young lady and a couple young ladies, you know, get off the tour, tour bus, right? So they come off the tour bus and they come to the backstage and then they go into the dressing room. And so um, his so they go in the dressing room like, I don't know who's who. Right. So um, like I go run an errand and I come back and then his wife is in the hallways of the dressing rooms. Right. So she looks at me and she's like, come here. And I was like, excuse me. She was like get those B-I-T-C-H's out of the dressing room, right? And I'm like, oh, I was like, they got off your tour bus. She was like, I don't care. So I have to go in there and tell the young women that, you know, she wants them out, right? So I go in there and say, hey, you know, you know, just whatever, very politely, like ask them to leave or whatever, right? So they leave, right? 
So then I, you know, we have to have the dressing room like reclean, reset up, da da da. Okay, boom. So that was like the first kind of like, okay, that's how our day starts. You understand what I'm saying? Like that's like 10 in the morning. So I'm like, wow. So now um it's sound check. And um the manager, you know, it wants to see like everything. So I show him everything. I walk him all around. We look at everything. So then he's like, okay, and then where do we pray? So I take him to the back and I show him like, this is the area. He's like, okay, cool. This is perfect. I say, okay, great. So fast forward. Now it's, uh, it's just before showtime. And most artists do some type of prayer, like just before they, they go onto uh, the stage. Right. And so, um, but usually it's like, uh, um, I don't want to say it's a short prayer, but usually it is a short prayer and it's usually like right backstage, like almost on the stage, but like right next to the stage. Right. This was like, and usually it's just the people that are going to perform together. So if it's like a band or like a vocalist with their band or a DJ, you know, usually it's just the people that are going on stage, but with DMX, he had, you know, he was in the bike, he had the biker club. Plus, I think he was some type of minister. So he had his followers. And so they were backstage. And so um, we took him to the prayer area. And I'm telling you, it had to be probably almost 100 people, maybe somewhere between 50 and 100 people were back there, got in a huge circle. And it was like the most like interesting looking people you ever saw they look like people that belong to a quentin tarantino movie you know everybody was probably like some type of biker or something interesting like that and people had they had all their bikes and their bike gear and their rough riders shirts and it was just interesting and so they get in this huge circle and he starts praying hey lord uh well thank you and we'll make sure it's no murders and no rapes tonight <laughs> and i and i was just thinking like whoa what kind of prayer is this <laughs> he was like just make sure there's no murders and no rapes i was like whoo that is a deep prayer right there um and uh, very specific i was like wow but he he prayed for i want to say like probably like 10 minutes and they did this like huge like kind of cheer chant type of thing and I was like, wow, that was pretty interesting. Then they all kind of left on their motorbikes, on their um, hot rods or whatever. And then later, later, so he performs, you know, now that might have been like just before the show. Right. So let's call that like around seven o'clock, you know. So now he it's time for him to perform. So let's call it like around nine o'clock. Right. So he performs and he gets so excited by performing, I think someone may have given him something though, but he gets so excited, he hops off the stage and they had allowed like a couple of the people, whatever, to bring their bikes like back there. He hops off the stage in the middle of his performance. He's still performing, he's not finished. He hops off the stage, hops onto a bike and just rides off and just completely like he leaves the venue and I'm thinking like, oh, wow, OK, he'll probably like circle and then come back through the back gate. No, he never came back the rest of the night. And what was crazy was like he was on in the middle of his set 
And the next time we saw DMX was like on Instagram the next day. And everybody was talking about, I saw DMX on a motorcycle at Belle Isle and he was taking pictures like with people all around Detroit on the east side. And it was hilarious. And he was on someone's bike. It wasn't even his bike. It was like a fan's bike. And um, I just remember the guy whose bike it was, he came at the end like to Shane Park and was like, you know, um, it was my bike type of thing. His management was freaking out. His family was freaking out. Like everyone was freaking out. They were screaming at the venue. It was crazy. And the crazier, crazier thing is he rode back to the venue the next day. Like it was nothing. He just rides what? back to the venue. And he's just wow. and he's just chilling. <laughs> so anyway, that's, that's my DMX story. story. That is probably the funniest story I've ever heard in my life. Oh like, my I cannot believe he just rolled off into the sunset and then like rolled back the next day. Like, but he was all we couldn't find him. You know how much of a liability that is to like lose your star. Yeah. yeah, he didn't finish his set. He did not. He was in the middle of his set. He didn't even finish. Oh, my God. That is wild. And he showed up the next like day at the pictures. venue, right? He's so on. nobody's at, you know, nobody's at the venue the next day. You feel me? And so yeah. he's like, he like, he re- he returns the bicycle and everything. Not the bicycle, the motorbike and everything. Even in that story, you see how much he loved the people. Right. I agree. He so much. Of the people. And they love him. Yeah. They do. That guy That's just didn't even, he told, he said he didn't even know DMX. He just had his bike there. He said he was in the fan club. And somehow DMX got him in or maybe his manager. I don't know. Somebody, but the guy didn't even know DMX. Like they weren't boys or nothing. He was just a guy that was in Detroit. There's like a fan of DMX that rides a bike and was able to get backstage somehow. That like all of that's crazy to me. Yeah, it's wild. That sounds like X though. That's We that were shook. Like <laughs> Everybody was like, where'd he go? People were like screaming well, at us. We were in so much trouble. Oh my God. And that, the crazy it wasn't even their fault, right? Like you just said, that has nothing to do with you guys. Like, you can't control nobody. And I'm sure that wasn't the first time he probably ever really did that. I don't know. But I know he was on Instagram the next day, showed up all over Instagram. He was all over the place. And people were like popping up on their timeline, like, yes, I was at my family cookout and DMX shows up. I was like, oh. Oh, my God. <laughs> That's so funny, man. Jaira, uh, do you have anything you want to add about DMX? I want to play you guys a couple clips of uh, some of the things that were going on in the service. I don't know. Did you, Piper, did you hear that Kanye put on the, apparently he designed the stage for the services. Did you guys take a look at the stage? No, I didn't. No, I haven't was, seen any of it yet. It was actually pretty dope. Like, I the stage was dope. No, I only saw that his um casket was in a, a motor truck or a Oh yeah, it was that was cool. That was cool. Yeah, the the casket was on stage. The stage was like a 3D stage. It was inside of the Barclays Center inside of Brooklyn. Um like you said Deja the you know, as you could imagine, just like when I read the past, there were so many uh people externally like just outside the Barclays Center in all different types of bikes and like you just kind of gave us the imagery on Piper as Shane. Just so imagine how it was at the bar play on Saturday. But like I said, Kanye apparently designed the stage and he also um, 
did the choir, I think it was pretty significant because a lot of people online um, in the last couple of weeks um, were talking about how Swiss Beats uh, really wanted Kanye to produce some of the music for the funeral and wanted him to be a part in any way that he could. So it's kind of cool to see that that was able to come together. So I'm just going to play you guys a few minutes of the uh, the uh, Sunday service choir and some of their renditions of the music uh, that they played while they were there on Saturday. So this Saturday, yesterday, uh, Sunday, we're recording on a Sunday. You guys are probably here at Monday was DMX's funeral. And I believe Kanye West produced the music portion of the funeral with his uh, Sunday church service um, and his choir as well. Um, I think they're a great choir. I thought it was awesome that they were able to participate and Kanye was able to have some uh, creative control um, before the funeral um, online and different sources were mentioning how Swiss Beats envisioned Kanye being a part of uh, the services. So it's really good to see that their vision was able to come together. I don't know if you guys saw footage where Kanye did the Sunday uh, service where, uh, where DMX did a uh, an amazing prayer and then also uh, uh, participated in doing some of the music with Kanye. So it just kind of is a full circle. So I just want to play you guys a little bit of the music in the service because, again, I thought it was pretty good. And, and the stage is gorgeous, too. Yeah, I thought so. I thought it was amazing. Yeah. OK. How, how much do you want to play? Because it's six, six. About, about, about a minute and 15 seconds. I think it's okay. great. So. OK. like two drummers he's got a grand piano and yeah it's pretty uh elaborate it is pretty elaborate what'd you guys think of that that sounded amazing yeah that was tight i mean it was the sound engineering behind it as well so 
clear and amazing. The stage was great. Their energy was great. It was a high frequency music for me. Like, oh my gosh. And then they they did a rendition of the Clark sisters and it was great. I think that um I think that X would have would have loved that. Pipe, do you see um did you send her the other two clips? Mm-hmm. Um Pipe, do you, can you play the clip of DMX's daughter rapping? Can you play about a minute of her rap? Okay. I thought I'll, it was uh, yeah, I'd also think like um, if you notice the visual element, like the the red with the black and the white, that's got mm-hmm. like like a super significance, esoteric significance. But I was thinking like the whole thing kind of remind with the hoods and everything it reminds me of the <laughs> eyes wide shut scene. It's kind of gloomy that red, you know, for me. It is. It is. It is. And like the the I mean, I think it's interesting with the the um like the pictures, you know, like the huge like on the screen. Mhm. But I don't know, it just had like a super gloomy feel to it. Hmm. I don't know if that was on purpose. But uh all right, so this is his daughter, right? So let me uh Okay. Yo, my dad taught me to be strong. I learned so much from him. So I dedicate this song to him. Hey, yo, I'm growing. I'm learning to hold my head up. Hey, yo, I'm growing. I'm learning to hold my head up. Hey, yo, I'm growing. I'm learning to hold my head up. My daddy's still holding my hand, so I gotta stand up. Hey, yo, I'm growing. I'm learning to hold my head up. Hey, yo, I'm growing. I'm learning to hold my head up. Yo, I'm growing. I'm learning to hold Looking at my daddy's picture on the wall. I know he want me to be the best I can be. Nobody else. I gotta be me. My brothers and sisters, we all stand together. Throw up the X. Daddy forever. I learn how to understand the good and the bad. I look in the mirror, sometimes I see my dad. I know he's with God, cause I know he loved him when he was here. He put nobody above him. He taught me how to pray when I wake up and for when I go to sleep. Pray for my family. Pray before I eat. And sometimes when I feel sad and weak, I can still hear him speak. Yeah. By all means, I'ma do what's right. Even in the dark, I'ma be the light. I can do it. Even when I'm feeling sad, y'all call him DMX. I call him dad, yo, I'm growing, I'm learning to hold my head up. Yo, I'm growing, I'm learning to hold my head up. Yo, I'm growing, I'm learning to hold my head up. My daddy's still holding my hand, so I gotta stand up. Yo, I'm growing, I'm learning to hold my head up. Yo, I'm growing, I'm learning to hold my head up. Yo, I'm growing, I'm learning to hold my head up. My daddy's still holding my hand, so I gotta stand up. People all over the world showing love. <laughs> they, 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 they,
I can feel his love raining down on me. I know my daddy's watching shining down on me. I can feel his love raining down on me. So throw your exes up, and if you slip and you fall, you gotta get up. And you're all growing, I'm learning to hold my head up. And you're all growing, I'm learning to hold my head up. And you're all growing, I'm learning to hold my head up. My daddy's still holding my hand, so I gotta stand up. So, you know what's interesting? What's that? Uh... <laughs> So they was trying to cut her off like three or four times. I know. <laughs> and I love that she kept going, though. That was yeah, awesome. She had great lyrics. Cute yeah, she did. outfit, too. Yeah, she did. They were, she, they were good lyrics, actually. They were. They were amazing lyrics. And she had so much confidence. She didn't stutter once, you know. Yeah. And she wanted to she wanted to do that. She was so strong, you know. And great and it, lyrics, it's interesting because like it because you read so much about his kids mm-hmm. and you read, you know, I don't know if you saw that him on a Yanla yeah, fix my life. And then she has I a whole video about how she messed up. But like what we heard about him of his kids was always like estrangement or it's always like a lot of tension. Um, and that's probably, you know, all true. So it's just. Um, yeah. It's just um, I'm glad that she gets a chance to and even the other kids, because I think that was his family that was up there. Yeah, so, they were all um, they're all of his children. Yeah. Yeah. So, wow. Um, that's a lot, though. It is. Mm-hmm. So it is. It is. I mean, um, not to mention DMX, DMX and Belly. He just was a well-rounded person. And I think he for sure was touched by God. Um, Even, you know, when you look in certain parables and scriptures in the Bible and you look and you see the type of people that God really touched and God really loved, they were they were troubled. You know, they experienced trauma, um, but they always seem to have such a close relationship with God. And when I think about DMX, I think when all of us think about DMX, we see that within him. You know, so her rap, you know, she saw his spirit and who he was in his totality and in this final form, you know. So that's beautiful, especially at a service like that. So I think DMX is, you know, represents an extreme version of all of us, you know, uh, humble, um, lovable, um, but troubled, you know, as a human being. So, you know, I, I really hope he rests in power. His music has forever changed hip hop. Um, I think he's added something to hip hop, um, his, you know, just his voice and his appeal and his, uh, you know, him being so organic, you know, and raw, as Deja would say, um, has done a lot for hip hop um, and moving the art form. So um, appreciate you guys uh, chiming in on it. And I guess we can move forward. Shout out to X. Shout out to DMX. Yeah. Um, yeah. What a great ancestor, too. Man, right? Yeah. Right? Super powerful. Um, Ashe to DMX. And Ashe. Let's hear your um, tech report, Jaira. All right. So, <clears throat> everyone, welcome. Uh, I know you haven't heard me in a while with the tech report. So, 
I want to talk about NASA and what they're doing in outer space. So on April 22nd is when this like historical, well, historical uh, breakthrough has happened. So NASA recently has been trying to um, get pictures and better footage on Mars. You know, I'm pretty sure everyone is familiar with them um, and what they're trying to do as far as like trying to get uh, visibility on Mars, not only visibility, but someone on there to get a overall experience of how it would be to live there. Um, because, you know, NASA's trying to get everyone to move to Mars at some point in time. And uh, recently, on April 22nd, NASA finally has their first picture, not just any picture, but a colored picture of Mars as to what it looks like from a um, drone. And the fact that they have this is very... Um, very, very inspiring to me because it shows that as long as you just put work into it, because these engineers, these people who's been working on these drones has been trying to get colored picture for a very long time onto Mars. And um, they finally did it. Not only that, they did it with a drone, which is, you know, I love drones, of course. And I just find that very cool. And very, um, it shows that we are capable of things that we didn't think was possible so soon. And a lot of people didn't think that we would get pictures very soon of Mars, colored especially. Because um, usually when I talk to people, they always say, yeah, we have pictures of Mars but we don't have any color, so we don't know what it actually looks like. But um, I want to know, have you ladies heard about this news at all? Honestly, I have not heard about this, and I didn't know it was that big of a deal, but it makes sense. So it's interesting. Um, the first part is even interesting as well, that you mentioned that they want us all eventually to move to Mars. Did you say that? Yeah, eventually, not necessarily move there, but, you know, it's it's going to be a separate go-to route if anything was to happen, you know, here. Or or just essentially just another way or another space of living. Understood. Yeah, so. actually, I'm actually, like, con- for real, for real, when I was a kid, I really wanted to be a research scientist, so I've always been, and, and an astronaut. So I've always been fascinated with space. So I was very uh, interested in trying to go to space, but then I'm not going to lie lie to you. And what was the eighth grade? We watched that spaceship uh, explode when that mm-hmm. teacher went up and um, they showed it to us live. They were like, oh yeah, come, you know, this, that was a very historic event. And so we watched it live and she exploded like right there in front of us. And we were like, whoa. So yeah. ever since then, I was like, oh, wow, this might be kind of dangerous, you know? <laughs> so uh, that kind of like kind of curtailed me from wanting to go to space. But um, 
but I've always been fascinated. So I have been following it. And I did, um, we had a family reunion in Huntsville, Alabama. And um, I didn't know that NASA has um, a headquarters in Huntsville, Alabama. And so um, we went there. They've got this amazing IMAX film inside the NASA facility where they have the whole exhibit so you can see they have a lot of the different... um, Like, they have this ship that they sent the uh, monkey up in, and they have this suit. Like, it's really it's really kind of creepy because it's, like, from the 60s or whatever. Um, They have a lot of the pictures. Like, they have a lot of the suits that they went in. Um, It's just, it's, like, the ships that they went up in. Like, it's really interesting. But in this IMAX film, they showed... um, Mars. And so what they did was they showed uh, Mars, like what it used to look like. Now, obviously, this is all like animation, but it's based on my research and uh, studying, blah, blah, blah. But basically what they're contending was that Mars used to look exactly like Earth. And so all those uh, valleys and things uh, were filled in with water and or water substance and then the mountains and stuff were all full of like greenery so basically they say that mars and it had kind of an atmosphere kind of like ours and then the temperature rose and it got too hot and that's when it became very arid and um red and clay and so the pictures that we saw looks exactly like if you go to like wyoming or utah nevada over there and you see like the red clay and the arid mountains or if you see like the Grand Canyon anything like that and so um they had a they had like a kind of a simulation uh film that they that they showed and it was amazing now this was this had to be like at least 20 years ago you know this is roughly like 20 years ago so um it was just amazing. You know what I mean? Like it was It is amazing. It was amazing. Yeah. Well yeah. It's um it's very cool to see that we finally have pictures and um it only shows that, you know, this is just the beginning of what, you know, can soon be video or even a person being out there. Like it, it's like uh it's just a very good very good and big milestone step for NASA and just for humanity. Because it gives um, us Earthers a visual perspective of what Mars could or will look like in the near future. You know, it's interesting, too. So, well, you know about, well, we always joke, but it's true that Elon Musk has, he got people's money and has already booked like this rocket. So like when they do go, you know, say like oh you know civilians can go he's already booked you know for people to be able to go on i don't know they've paid x amount of millions of dollars i suppose to be the first ones to be on these manned flights right to go to mars and you know jeff mills is a dj from detroit um his amazing dj techno dj he is uh you know, the, the, the wizard, right. He is, uh, 
of the booked DJ that Elon Musk has to go, you know, on this on this excursion. Uh, but, that's no. but people have already paid their money. So, so people already have like a booked flight that's like ready to go. That's yeah, yeah. That's I don't know, flight if the right is the right word, but whatever the word is, ticket. You know, <laughs> I mean, you know, and Jared yeah. and Piper, that kind of ties into y'all boy Elon Musk too, right? Yeah. I mean, that's what he's working so hard to do is to ensure that when we get to Mars, that it, it's actually worth our while. Well, also, too, in the film, well, in the research that I'm telling you about, that's like 20 years old. What they told us is that, well, this was like 20 years ago, so maybe they've gotten further now. But they said at the time they had been sending different cultures up to Mars because they've been trying to figure out how to inhabit Mars. Mm-hmm. When when they when they when this country becomes too hot um, from global warming, and so they've been actively working on that um, because they are like predicting that this this that we're going to just like there was an ice age, and um, you know there were dinosaurs and then they became extinct because the planet warmed up and they weren't able to adapt. Um, they are predicting that the earth is going to become too hot and we won't be able, you know, to adapt. And so they're trying to figure out how to move people to space. Right. And, and they, and they even, there's even like, you know, saying that some of these diseases and viruses and things are because of, um, invasions of otherworldly, um, life forms that are already present here. I guess they call them UFOs, but, um, but anyway, just going back to the point, what they had said back then was that they had sent up water molecules and plant molecules. And what happened is none of the plant or like fruits and vegetables that they had made through the hydroponics had were or, or the water, none of those molecules were able to last longer than seven years without becoming contaminated or dying. So they so they haven't been able to send any life forms up. They started with water molecules and and the plant molecules, veg, fruit and vegetables, but none mm-hmm. of those are able to last beyond seven years. And so that's why you know they hadn't been sending up humans. And so because um, you know we can't live without water and vegetables or whatever. So um, so anyway, that now that was like twenty years ago. So who knows? I mean, with all the hydroponics in all types of whatever, you know, like down here, we have all our water wars that we're very aware of. Um, yes. And, um, you know, folks are, you know, really looking at hydroponics, meaning uh, ways to grow using water and water and, te- and techniques um, that come from, you know, water plant life or plant life that lives in water. But, um, yeah, I just find it very interesting. Um that whole topic so yeah thank you gyra yeah that was a great topic Jai. so gyra you're gonna call elon musk and get on his rocket and be <laughs> the first i want to thing smoking up to mars i, I want to i don't want to be that i want to be his drone pilot flying the drones that scavens that scavenges uh mars to find new life or just new um a new way of like living for it or you know just making sure that we can find something that's uh usable for us 
earthers. I mean, but basically the 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 philosophy that they have though is that y'all gonna ruin the planet with global warming. So we about to go try to see if we could do this other planet. Which is like the basis of capitalism, you know? Period. Yeah. Extreme consumption. Yep. They're gonna throw out Earth like a Wrigley's chewing gum wrapper. For status. Yeah, that's crazy. Is not for money. Right. You know, they're using up the resources, the natural resources, charging people arm and leg for natural resources, getting messing around with the atmosphere with Monsanto, all types of Franken foods, you know. It's like, that's y'all people. Why y'all letting them do this to us? Hmm. Hello. Yeah. Young people. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. You don't know? I, we need y'all to stop this. Hmm. Wait, why are you blaming us? <laughs> <laughs> y'all the ones that love all this capitalism, don't you? No, I would say, I would say, I think we're all part of the issue. No, you're right. Everyone has a role to play. True that. That's Man. why. Piper, you going to go to Mars? You know what? I'm not going to Mars. I, <laughs> um, I'm trying to save Earth, man. I'm right? Trying to, I'm trying to save our, our mother, you know? And we just had Earth Day, you know? Happy birthday, Earth. Or, you know, I don't know if it's a birthday per se, but just celebration of our Earth mother was just on the, on the 22nd as well. So, you know... Celebrate recycling, reducing, reusing, stop consuming, you know, think uh, bicycling, walking, uh, alternative forms of energy, you know, uh, saving seeds, farming, uh, you know, yeah. taking care of one another. So anywho is a loser. That was we just passed on Earth Day, so. It's great to talk about how we're going to save Mother Earth. But I know, Jaira, like, definitely, if we see you on TikTok, on that rocket, Jaira <laughs> dancing, twerking on that <laughs> Elon Musk rocket. Jaira <laughs> twerking. Mars. Piper, really? <laughs> really? <laughs> to Mar you know, to Mars with your T-shirt on. With your T-shirt on. <laughs> You're going to have one of them saying it's going to be you sitting on the top of the rocket. <laughs> Flying up. You crack yourself up. I know. <laughs> nah, but, you know, we love, we know Jaira. That's his boy, Elon Musk. <laughs> yeah. One day, one day, I will be sitting next to him in the office talking to him about the next best thing with Tesla. Okay. Put that in the universe. But just remember, Jaira, remind those types of people, you know what I'm saying, about preserving life and the earth and not just getting into being some singularity or robo dogs. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, Y'all know New York City put the robo dog out, right? I saw that. That was wild. It's official. So don't be going to New York City thinking you about the jaywalk or... That's crazy. They're going to throw the robo dog on you. A robo dog. It's probably going to be coming to Detroit soon, too. Let's hope not. 
Let's hope. Let's really hope not. Do you know how dangerous that is? I mean, we got green. We got the the, the green light. The green light is terrible and nefarious and bad enough. All you need now is some dog that's got. How many people got the name Brittany March? Not that many. You sure about that? Because I didn't think anyone else had Piper Carter until I went on to social media and found there's a bunch of Piper Carters and most of them are white men. <laughs> But there's a lot, and I was shocked because I thought I was I'd the only one. I'd be mad if I was a man and my name was Piper Carter. Bro, <laughs> it's a man. Let me see name. how many Britney Marches. There are some Britney Marches. Bro, what if what if one of those Britney Marches steals some chips or does something crazy, and now uh, all she do is switch a room and then use your picture and everything, and now they looking for you. Now you got to tell the robo dog. Hey, hey, hey. And the robot dog got you programmed in. He can't even think. You can't talk to it. You can't reason with it. It's already, it's locked in. And then, and then what if it says that you're dangerous? You know, they, they act, they mess up, you know, the algorithm. They say they think you're the dangerous one, you know, and you're like, hey, hey, hey. And they're like, pew, pew, pew. <laughs> you know, <clears throat> the robot dog yeah. is dangerous, yo. Yeah, you don't got to talk me into it. I don't want a robo-dog. I'm just saying. Your man's Dan Gilbert is... Is a... You know. You know how he plays. It wouldn't surprise me. I want one to re- re- reprogram it. Man. Oh, God. Jira going to have a robo-pitbull. <laughs> what would it... Like, what, when you say reprogram it, like, to do what? Catch frisbees? No. Uh, Catch your ass. Like, no. <laughs> To do what, Jaira? To be a service dog. Okay, that's very thoughtful. <laughs> no, no, that's, you know, people need support. You know what I'm saying? That's very thoughtful. Hopefully, you know, I mean, but we know that if they get them, like the dog is militarized, yo. It could go in all terrain. And they put it, like, they. How? why would you give that to the cops first? Like, they could have gave it for service first, just like you're talking about. How many people do you think need that dog? You know what I'm saying? It's a lot. Of, a lot of people need need a service dog to support them. You know? I know what you mean. Yeah. But they're gonna throw it in t- to the cops. Like, get them, get them. Like, woo. Yeah, it's tough. Y'all people love the cops, don't they? Yeah, I don't know. The militarized police force. Man, that robo dog though, I don't know. We should do like a whole show on that. We can. That's so crazy to me. But I don't know. Um, let's talk about um Deja's topic. I guess it's kind of on par with police because it is about the Hamtramck Police Department. There's this um website called Model D Media, and it looks like they have articles written by different people. And this one that I came across says, um, well, is about him, Tramick, not needing a police department. It's really an opinion piece, but there are some um, facts in here. And I'll just go um, off, or I'll just read to you guys the beginning of the article. 
It says, um, Hamtramck, the first Muslim-majority city in the United States, is a city with many white women in positions of power, including the mayor, city manager, and police chief. But this leadership doesn't represent the population of the town whose biggest ethnic group is Bangladeshi. Um, someone later on in the comments actually corrected that to say Yemeni people are actually the um, biggest population in Hamtramck. But mm -hmm. either way, it's not represented in the police department, which is what this entire article is about um so go on goes on to say Hamtramck's police force is mainly white with the exception of two black officers in an interview Hamtramck mayor Karen Majewski confirmed that there are no officers with Bangladeshi names on the police roster no Bangladeshi officers in a city that has signs that says welcome to Bangladesh which is actually kind of on a Detroit border but Either way, um, again, they're not represented on the police force. And the article later talks about um, abolishing police departments because of histories of um, crimes against people that had nonviolent issues going on that were treated with violence. Um, and it also talks about how lawsuits began in Hamtramck from like 1925, dated recently until about 2015. Um, mostly Arab, you know, Arab Americans in that community, which it mostly consists of. The writer also goes on to talk about a city in New York called Ithaca, where the mayor there is abolishing the police force and, and, and yeah, instating a civilian-led organization with unarmed first responders trained in de-escalation. De and it says in parentheses, community solution workers. And in the past 31 years in Eugene, Oregon, the city has been using a nonprofit crisis intervention pro program called CAHOOTS, which dispatches social workers to crisis calls instead of police officers. CAHOOTS yearly budget is around $2 million, half the Hamtramck Police Departments, and saves the city of Eugene's uh, I'm sorry, saves the city of Eugene an estimated $2.25 million a year in public safety, ambulance, and emergency room costs. Um, and I just wanted to ask you guys what you think about, you know, continuing to de-escalate or not really de-escalate, but um, gosh, I'm at a loss for words right now. <laughs> just ban the police department um, because the people in the comments of this article is mostly white men. I can tell by their, uh, by their names and I see two white women here as well. Um, but they disagree with the article. They actually love the police department. And it looks like the article is written by a woman named Elizabeth Garrett. I appreciate her perspective. Again, this is just an opinion piece. Um, there are some facts in here, but I do think it's interesting that a, a city that is full of people of color, you have many people and Bangladeshi people is not represented in any form in their political department and the people in the comments is mostly white men talking about how great police is. Yeah, I mean, so Hamtramck, this is for people who are not from Detroit or southeastern Michigan who may not know. So Detroit has two cities inside of it. And one of them is Highland Park, and the other one is Hamtramck. And Hamtramck is pretty much the most diverse city that uh, I would say in our Southeast uh, Michigan region. And by diverse, it's a very small um, area 
But within that area, they have more, they have the most diversity of ethnic groups of all of Southeast. They have more ethnic groups than all of Southeast Michigan combined. There's a strong sense of community when you enter the city. You see people all around engaging with each other like they're all friendly. It's like a, a movie almost the way everyone is engaging with each other there. And it's a really small, very um, small. City. Yeah, very small city. So it feels like a town almost um, when you go there. I mean, historically, it was Polish. Um, I think, like you said, at current there, it's Yemeni and Bengali. And then, um, but there's so many ethnic groups that are there. And also, too, recently, when I say recent, I mean, over the past decade, it's been increasingly being gentrified. Um, (laughs) And so there's a lot of art houses, a lot of art spaces, a lot of, uh, what do you call them? Artist residences, new coffee houses, new businesses, um, business incubators. There's also... Interestingly enough, lots of construction going on, lots of revitalization of different landmarks and parks and everything. They actually have one of the Negro League baseball uh, diamonds uh, there where the ne- where they used to play the Negro Leagues um, is actually there. Um, I didn't know that. Yeah. And it's a very historic place. Um, but what I, so what's interesting, so, so Detroit, you know, obviously has a police force, right? Our, our neighboring cities, Dearborn has a police force. Hamtramck has a police force. Um, Highland Park has a police force, you know, obviously Livonia, um, all these different, you know, um, Redford, like all these different cities that, you know, surround us have their own separate, you know, mayor, their own separate uh, city council, their own separate um, police force. And what is uh, what another thing that's interesting is Detroit is like an 80 percent, 80 to 85 percent black um, city, meaning that majority of the people that live in the city are black. Um, when you go to a city like Hamtramck, it is predominantly, like you said, Yemeni and Bengali now, right? Mm-hmm. But there is this history of the Polish people, right? That used to uh, be the, I'd say, a dominant ethnic group there. And I'd be willing to bet that possibly some of the uh, long, more long, more long-standing families um, that are there are the ones who are like, yeah, we need these police, <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, and also too, probably some of the uh, investors or business owners um, are the. I would be willing to bet that those are probably the people that are speaking on those comments, mm. you know, that you spoke of. Yeah. Or no, police no doubt. themselves. They're, or or they're even calling, just police or people related to police. Where they're calling her Marxist and um they're telling her to take her ideas somewhere else. Oh. And 
you know, they're just going in with their white privilege and saying how great the police are and how often that they do come and how immediately they come um, when, you know, crimes happen. But they should be coming fast. It's a very small city. They should have no problem responding immediately. And all that this this um, this author of this article is asking for is representation of the community in the politics of that community. So probably the 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 um, commenters are just trolling, you know? Yeah. And she even mentioned in here and I'll read this another excerpt from the article. It says in an interview with Michigan Radio in October 2019, Hamtramck community organizer and now state representative Abraham Ayash spoke about the language barrier in Hamtramck. The city has a lot of spoke has a lot of folks that speak English as a second language, yet some people feel that English is the only language in City Hall. This experience from residents is embarrassing in a town whose slogan, whose slogan is the world in two square miles. Which speaks say to the, you. Say the say the um how big it is again. Um well the, the quote yeah, the quote said um the city has a lot of folks that speak English as a second language, yet some people feel that English is the only language in a city hall. This experience from residents is embarrassing in a town whose slogan is the world in two square miles. Yeah, the world in two square miles. Like, think about that. Two square miles. Like, that's a really small city. Exactly. Exactly. With all that diversity. Mm-hmm. Well, you know what, too, when you think about it, that's an it's. So, okay, think about a city like Detroit, right? And you think about, um, or if if it's Solani where you live or, you know, anywhere. Mm -hmm. Think about how many people um, that you need in order to get something passed, right? Like if it's a vote or something like that, right? So that means that, think of like, that means that that many people that are in that city are probably not participating in their politics. You see what I'm saying? Right. So it means that the minority is the one that's dominating the politics. You see the policies, just like in Detroit. It's the, it's the minority in Detroit that's dominating the politics. You notice that, right? Mm-hmm. Because the, cause the, the, the whoever's, you know, in the politic, whoever's in the office, they're not really reflecting the um, real uh, sentiment of the people or the will of the people, if you will. They're really reflecting um, a small number, which is rep- more representative of the state and corporations. And so that and so think about that in that little two, like she said, that little two square miles, think of more people. I mean, and it's not a simple fix. I'm not saying like, oh, people would just vote. But I'm just thinking like, I wonder like what the landscape would be if they actually had like formidable candidates and like more participation in their uh in all their systems. And I get it. Like she like, cause like things like being able to mandate that there's a certain percentage of representation, right? Like, is that in their 
in their ordinances? Is that in their bylaws? Is that in their city charter? Like, do they have to have, you know, do you have to live in Hamtramck to be on the police force? Do you, um, does there No, that's be, not a law. That's not a law. Right. And do you have to be, uh, you know, do you have to have X amount of representation, you know, on the police force? Obviously that's not a law either, right? Mm-hmm. So these are things that you can, these are policies. Now, I'm not saying that having a policy like fixes it. There's enforcement and all this other stuff. But the fact that there isn't even policy, you see what I'm saying? Speaks right. to, um, I don't know, it's like a, it's a, it's a compounded challenge because it's like, how do you hold, um, like, what it, what is the mechanism to hold institutions accountable? Like, what are the mechanisms? Like, you know, when we say, oh, we need to hold them accountable. Like, what does holding an institution accountable look like? What are the mechanisms? What what are the mechanisms that we have to hold institutions accountable? Like, I don't believe in police. You know what I'm saying, or prisons, or any of that. All of that's violence to me. But let's just say, for argument's sake, like, how would they be able to get a diverse, diverse and uh, representation? Like, what means do they have? Is it? Mm-hmm. I mean, the article is a start. Cause it's bringing, it brings awareness. Right. Yes. You know? I don't know. It's interesting to me. Yeah. I like your points, Piper. Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm just thinking about it. Like, you know, I mean, I don't want to see more police, right? Like, I don't want to see that. No, at, not at all. You know, at the same time, I understand, right. That folks I get what they're saying. They're like, okay. Yeah, at this point, we don't have representation anywhere. Me, I'd be trying to get some representation on my politic, on my like electoral seats. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and be pushing for some policies, which they may be doing. I'm not sure. I'm not involved in Hamtramck. Um in that in that type of way other than going there to go shopping or eat but um i definitely empathize because we have the same challenges here in detroit and we're 85 percent black people and we have our politic voting against us <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah and they're, and they're actually black people but they 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 act like white supremacists you know what i mean they're enacting white supremacy or actors of white supremacy or whatever, however you say that, mm-hmm. you know? So anyway, um, yeah, that's all interesting to me. Well, how can we follow up on this? Or it's just an opinion piece though. Yes, it's just an opinion piece. So I guess we just have to um, see how the mayor and the rest of the uh, politicians in that city step up. There, it does say that the mayor is open to ideas, but she hasn't implemented any. There's a quote from her that also says, I think what everyone wants is a system that keeps them safe, that guarantees their rights are not violated, that treats everyone with respect and fairness, and that is community focused. A system that functions from a philosophy of justice rather than power. Um, and then the article, the writer goes on to explain, you know, why we need to demilitarize the police. Um, and then she goes on to say that she's calling for the abolish of the ham of the Hamtramck Police Department because there is not enough representation in it. Mm. You know what's interesting? Um, 
this is where I think we fail on the left. It's our messaging. Mm-hmm. Like saying that <laughs> it should be abolished because there isn't representation. That's not going to win the hearts and minds of the people. Because no. for one, like when we talk to people, right, what's the first thing they think? Oh, my God, Detroit is dangerous. We need police. Right. Because we had one of the highest murder rates. We've got all these gangs. We got all these people walking around here. Your average Detroiter is strapped. You know this, right? Yeah. And, you know, people are stressed all the way out. At any moment, you could step on somebody's shoe, look at them by accident. Boom, you could lose your life. You know what I'm saying? Bang into them by accident in the back of their car. Anything. You know what I'm saying? People are ready to freaking snap. You know? Yes. There are some people with short tempers here. For sure. For sure. And so... If you go around when we're like, you know, I do a lot of door knocking for canvassing for, you know, community stuff. Well, no, on average, if you have a conversation, my neighbors in my neighborhood, you know what they told me? They don't they, they support police. They're not, they're not trying to defund police. They want more money for police. They want militarized police. They want the National Guard to come in here and protect them, you know. And when you when you listen to them, I don't want to say talk to them when you listen to them. A lot of them are elders and they've been violated, okay, mm-hmm. by young people. They're terrified of anyone under 30, you know, terrified. And um, many of them have been, it's, according to them, have said that they've been consistently violated, right? Um, held at gunpoint by a child or a teenager um, and robbed. And, you know, that already being robbed is a very... Uh, dehumanizing, humiliating, um, you know, uh, violation. You know what I mean? And uh, to be robbed at gunpoint, you know, that's that's just. Uh, and so um, when we're on the left and we're telling people that we can have these groups that can do cop watch together and, you know, things like that. I'm going to be honest with you. Average person I speak to is like, I'm not trying to do that. I'm not trying to watch neighbors and people think I'm a snitch and be a mark or, you know. People don't want to be involved because it creates a a possible liability of, of association with it. Yeah. You know, and but then you have, right, some of these other elders that's kind of gangster belly with it. That's like. They want to be on some Zimmerman type thing. You feel me? Like, I want to be a watch. I want to watch out for these Negroes in these streets. I want to, you know, I'm going I'm to use my car. Some of them are, you know, elders that are retired officers, whatever. Like, you know, I want to be the uh, one watching the community. I want to watch this, watch that. And so, but again. You have to check intentions with that. Exactly. There, You know, many of them are the ones who are like, they want to quote unquote watch these young people so they can snitch and report on him you know and quote unquote get him off the street and so um i mean even even you know i i have friends and you know uh that's the first thing i noticed when i moved back to detroit is a lot of women my age or dating age or whatever are telling me that they're going i always tease uh britney because she uh the company she works with otis they do elevators but there's another otis and that's a system that you look up to see the people that have um, 
uh, what we would call a record, right? To see like, uh, do they, you know, are they, uh, uh, do they have a sexual assault on their record, right? And when I first moved here, like all the women that I would meet, you know, um, are like when they, before they date a guy, they look them up on Otis. And it's like, you know, I have a child, you know, I have my family, I've got my house, I live alone, whatever. And that's what they're doing. If they meet a guy, they're like, before they start kicking in with the guy, they're like, I'm looking him up on Otis. And so I'm using that as uh, an example that, you know, a lot of the the trust has been ruined, you know what I mean, in our communities. And we, we don't really have, you know, uh, in general, we don't really have these strong you know, layers of trust anymore in our communities. And so people call police because they're pissed at their boyfriend. They call police because they're afraid of their son. They call police. This woman across the street that I went, she's an elder. She called the police on her neighbor because she dug too much on, on like, you know, when she wanted to dig a little bit around her area, the woman next door to her dug a bit too much. She called the police. They called the police if people uh, don't, uh, like if people put their trash out and they don't put it together properly, they call the police on them for that. Like people here are like, they call the police for every single thing, whether it's the most mundane thing that they could totally just go to the neighbor for or not. And people are just in this like, default like their default is calling police so you know it's just interesting oh my god guess who's decided to join us uh kari frazier hey kari oh he's it looks like he's connecting to the audio it's gonna take him a second i don't know if he can can you hear us kari frazier well as you're coming in uh yeah, but that topic got me excited too, Deja. <laughs> um, well, I'm looking at the moon right now. It's full and beautiful. Mm. We are under a full moon today. Wow. Oh no, Kari's uh, audio is uh, <laughs> not connecting. Maybe there's a retrograde coming too. Maybe so. <laughs> uh, Do you want to start your topic while we wait for Kari to? Oh, there in? you go, Kari. Mr. Fraser. Hey, Mr. Fraser. How are you? Ah, everything is everything. Well, you Mr. know Great what? Was well, you know what? Huh? We um, we're we were about to start my topic, but the thing is. We kind of been on for like almost two hours already. Okay. So the show is going to be like extra long. So okay, I was thinking so. maybe you could join us next week. Yeah. And we, and we keep this show to two hours. But okay. I definitely cool. want to give folks a head up. I've definitely been following Roland Martin on this Black Media Buy. So we'll do mm-hmm. the show on the GM uh, Black Media Buy and like the state of black media in general i'll show you a bunch of clips um and i wanted i wanted you to speak as a media as a owner of a network um okay. yeah but but yeah um but but just wanted to bring this is our illustrious uh fearless leader 
I'm just another black man caught up in the mix. Hey. To make a dollar out of 15. Hey. <laughs> I don't I don't know like if Jyro, if uh Brittany or Gyro or Deja even know about that. Uh <laughs> what do you mean? That's I get around. Stop Okay. Uh, Piper, yeah. we're not three years old. No. <laughs> no. Uh, good okay. old I get a run. Yeah. 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 But do you know do what you like? Oh you yes. Girl yes. Gotta give much love to Shock G. Or kiss me and I'll kiss you back. Oh yeah. And the Shock great G, rest in power. Is a, is a classic, actually, or same song, the introduction of the Tupac Amaru Shakur to the world. On a throne, nonetheless, as yes. an African king in the music video. Ah, classic. Being carried in. Yeah. A while. And then also one of my favorite verses, the I Got Five on It remix, where Suck G made an appearance as Humpy as well. Oh. Rest ah. in power. Yeah, man. Suck was uh I know I'm I'm killing this in, but yeah, that one that one was Yeah, uh, that was the end of like fun hip hop, you know, like fun rap, mm -hmm. like having fun, acting silly, you know, where it was cool to be like silly and fun. I think that was the end of that. He like that was the end of that era. Yeah, and, and let me say this too about them. Um like like as a kid, because I was younger, they were like so cool to me. And they, you know, because it was playful and everything, like that was what digital underground represented. So it connected with me different. Like I remember one of my cousin's boyfriends was like, So what rappers you be listening to? And I was like, Digital Underground. He was like, Man, you wouldn't like that. You a kid. So then I watched the public enemy concert. I'm like, damn. Griffin them is intense. Yeah. But you know, like the do what you like video, it's like they in they in this stretch limos with pools in the back, and it's just like a wild party and different sunglasses. And they don't get the credit, but they were an actual funk band. Yeah. So uh Digital Underground was not just uh Money B and Shug G rapping, it was a whole band behind them, you know. Yeah, it, it yeah. Was, Really, some classic Bay Area shit, as the arguments always made. Uh, who got the best funk, the Bay or Detroit? But, uh, you know, that was some classic Bay Area, you know, soul, funk, all coming out of there. Uh, late 80s. Uh, it, it, it's really covered in that hip hop evolution documentary, but, you know, he, he, he had a deep connection to Tupac as well. Uh, mm -hmm. Definitely with Tupacalypse Now. That's all produced by them. And you know, creative, creative mind in hip hop, you know. Uh classic Yo MT. That was my favorite Yo MTV raps when they went out to try to they spent the whole day trying to find Humpty. Yeah. And I actually thought they were two different people because that was just Fast Five Freddy's job acting like, so where's Humpty? Where is Humpty? Yo, man, we out here trying to fight Humpty. Right. And like, the end of the episode, Humpty come out. This is some classic hip hop history for y'all. But, you know. 
No, the, I mean, they were they brought the fun. They brought the funk. And, you know, that was at a time when we had a lot of different types of hip hop. And yes, it was just, you know, they they were great musically. But, you know, that was the band that you danced to. And you were like laughing as you were dancing. You know, you were having mm-hmm. fun laughing and dancing at the same time. And you would hear that and you would hear some salt and pepper. You know what I'm saying? You'd hear some Big Daddy Kane. You know, I mean, to, to you know, you hear the Rock Kim and the KRS One, like the, all of that. You know, the Queen Latifah, all that stuff was all like together. Yeah. So it was like, you know, they um, made. You know, at at that time, hip hop was based on the dance. You know, and so uh, they made you get on the floor. They made you be silly. You know, um, they made you just like enjoy yourself for like that moment while you were just like dancing and, and, and having fun. And it was everybody was on the dance floor. And that was back in the days before people just used to stand around and look at each other and try not to get killed or try yeah, not to it, give each it, other it, eye contact. <laughs> it's, um, definitely. And I can definitely say that. uh that whole feel of uh, what they did was definitely from like when we think of like a young person's angle, like me being a kid, liking them so much. It it was very like it was it was very strong. Like even even when I first heard, uh, you know, Ice Cube's jacking for beats, you know, if I see another brother, you know, video of people trying to outdance each other, you know, and then he went at Arsenio and stuff like that. It's it was a different style in hip hop, but in 89 and in 88, 89 and 90, I felt like it was so many variances of what the yeah. black experience was yeah. through the lens of hip hop. Even yeah. with uh, when Latifah and Moni Love did Ladies, like they were different types of African centered, strong black women. Yeah. Uh, Brand Nubian was definitely uh, Afrocentric, but they didn't feel. Uh, and, and, and empowered and revolutionary, but they didn't feel like public enemy or public poor righteous teachers didn't feel that way. It was uh, a diaspora, an eclectic blend of all of so many black experiences. Yeah, and it was fun. Like they, you know, what I like that Shock G did when he, mm-hmm. he made the Humpty character is Humpty dressed like uh, like he would be in George Clinton's band. Yes, he was. It was it was like, you know, he was like a weird Rick James looking type, you know, George Clinton looking type with like the leopard fur and the big hat and the leather and all, you know, the Mitch match, you know. But it was like, I don't know if it was like a caricature of like a cool guy, you know what I mean? Or a guy who thought he was cool, you know? (laughs) Yeah. And, And to this day, it's one of the best Records to play at any party. Like you're gonna hit if if that song comes on, if you hear oh oh do me baby, like people will start doing yeah. the humpty dance. Yeah, they get excited. I think from now until forever, it's damn near like the electric slide or some shit. Like yeah. if my eyes don't cry no more, come on. Like that, it's a couple of different, like I guess they say like damn near jock jam rap records. So like, mm-hmm. you know, Humpty Dance, uh, OPP, uh, you know, uh, 
damn, what the hell? I can't it believe it. It depends how old you are, too. I think even the kids, like, that song is, you know. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you may be right, depending upon how old, but I think that mm-hmm. song gets played all the time. Yeah. So thank so, you, thank you, Shock G. Rest in peace. Yeah. Rest in power, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, you know, so uh, definitely. So yeah, next week we can talk uh, what General Motors is doing in, in all these different ad agencies, quote unquote, for, for it's like, I, I'm going to go Piper on Piper. We got to define what black is before we put it in media. I'm just messing with you, but yeah, we are talking. Yeah, but glad you were able to hop on. And um, you know what, uh, Jaira, what? Give us your uh, sign out. You there, Jaira? Yes. Yeah, sorry, I was muted. Um, I just want everyone to be safe and um, make sure you go watch the new Mortal Kombat movie. And check it out. Okay. Yeah, I heard it was amazing. So thank you yes, for that. I watched it today. It was great. All right. Okay. What is it on? Okay. Mortal Kombat. What'd you see it on? Uh, I watched it on HBO Max, but it's okay. also, I think it's on Prime. You ain't watching it on a fire stick like the rest of Black America, my brother? What's that? You ain't watching it on a, uh, on a uh, what is that? A uh, coded fire stick like the rest of Black America, my brother? <laughs> no, no need to. Pay <laughs> for his HBO subscription. <laughs> no, I didn't pay for it, so you know that's that's a good thing. <laughs> right. Okay. Well, um, how about uh, you, uh, Deja? You want to sign up, sign out with anything? Be safe and just stay in the moment while you're here. Oh, that's beautiful. Uh, what about you, Brittany? You want to sign off with anything? Uh, nothing, nothing much. Just want to wish everybody a good week. And uh, as we enter May, and um, I see a lot of people doing and starting their gardens, gardening season. So just happy green thumb to everybody. Yeah. How about you, Mr. Frazier? Ah, there's so much to share. But number one thing, uh, you know, Hopefully, uh, you are like kind of like what she said, staying safe, you know, get ready to embrace some of this sunlight that's about to come. It's warm weather for the Detroit area and a few other places. Hopefully, it's already warm. Get that vitamin D in you. That is the sunlight. That's the best form of vitamin D because that right there is something that boosts your immune system. Thank you so much for that. Um, also, too, uh, just want to thank everyone for listening and continuing to listen. Just want to ask people to please like, share, subscribe. We're on various platforms, including I, I realize now we, we are on Pandora. We're on uh, iHeartRadio. We are on Apple Podcasts. We're on the, the Google Podcasts. Um, we're on Spotify. We're on Stitcher. So uh, you can find us in, you know, so many places. This is exciting. Also, too, I started posting onto YouTube. So, you know, check us out on YouTube. Also go to our different social media so that you can interact with us at uh, Piper Carter Podcast. You can find us on Instagram as well as Facebook. And you can join 
our Facebook group so that we can have conversation and learn about uh, issues that interest you and what you want to talk about. And also, too, you definitely want to go to DetroitIsDifferent.net because that's where you can find all of the podcasts that are on the Detroit is Different network. And yes, you want to go to Detroit is Different on Facebook because you'll get a chance to see some of the Detroit is Different podcast episodes. And um, yeah, everyone stay safe. Much love. Appreciate you. And peace. Tune in weekly to the Piper Carter podcast with Piper Carter for a conscious take on music, arts, politics, and fashion. The founder of We Found Hip Hop has a say on what you should know about culture with a balanced conscience. Subscribe, like, and share on Apple iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher to the Piper Carter podcast to hear the stories and thoughts of Piper Carter. Follow Piper Carter on Instagram at Piper Carter. Piper Carter.